Good morning. I understand we've got a few extras with us this morning because Pastor Tony has taken some, some time off. And so welcome. We're in 1 Peter in chapter 1. Last week was all introduction. This week may be even more introduction with uh, a good chunk of the time asking the question, who was Peter? And I'll give you the conclusion. Peter is just like you and me in so many different ways. So here we are. Uh, coming back, because we're going to come back to these two words several times, why did Peter write his epistles? And his response was to remind us of things that we already know, and then to keep those things in remembrance. Uh, so we'll be bouncing back and forth to those words. Every once in a while, somebody comes right out and says exactly why they've written a book. For example, John's Gospel. He wrote in that book, he said, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So it's very crystal clear why the book of John was written. So who was Peter? He was a witness. He saw things. The word witness could mean he also was testifying of what he had seen. And he was a martyr, finally. He died on the cross. Unlike Jesus, he was upside down. He was an elder, and in many ways, each of us are elders. He was a faithful servant, but most of all, and most importantly, he was a sinner saved by grace. So, you know, you think about Peter, and I said, what do you know about Peter? And I'm going to hear words like impetuous, stuck his foot in the mouth, uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, some people refer to him as the David of the New Testament because David had a propensity towards, towards messing up and then, of course, repenting. That's why in Acts they call him the man after God's own heart. Uh, we're going to get into some interesting things. That, and we hear these phrases, what goes around comes around, or payback in a, in a single word. Uh, my son Andrew and his, his wife, they're pregnant. And both of those parent, uh, two B parents were terrors as kids. And of course, I smile and say, Andrew, you ever hear of paybacks? <laughs> so we'll see what that baby does. That's going to be in April. I'll keep you informed. Or something said or done haunts you or defines itself. Uh, maybe you've heard something years ago that gets stuck in your mind or begins to define itself. Uh, the two things stuck in my, and I quote my first pastor all the time, but the two things that, that stuck in my mind is I remember Pastor Vernon saying, too soon old, too late smart. Well, this year I just hit 70, and so that has defined itself. Uh, and Pastor Glenn Yoder would say uh, to, to his mother, do I have to? And the mother's response was, well, only if you don't want to. But I've got another more interesting one. How about this one? Now, it's, it's common these days to customize your wedding vows, but these are, the, these are the traditional words. And I'm convinced that when two young lovers say these words, they have no idea what they are going to mean. Any head nods on that one? For richer or poorer in sickness and in health, my prayer for every couple is health and happiness for many years so that until death does us, do us part, uh, becomes the, the end of that, or it's actually a new chapter. But those words define themselves over time. And Peter is no different. Those words define themselves over time. And we'll see those words that were spoken during Christ's lifetime, and then the ramifications of those words as he was writing his epistles. 
So who was Peter? An irony in Peter's life. We've got a couple of interesting scenarios here. Peter calls himself a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. But that begs a question. Peter was not mentioned there when Jesus was hanging on the cross. So where was Peter? You know, nobody knows that's a rhetorical question. Where was Peter? And the, the common thought is, well, he was off hiding somewhere in fear, but yet by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes that he was a, a, an eyewitness of his suffering. Where was Christ crucified? On a hill, on a cross on a hill. Is it possible that Peter was somewhere off and seeing this happening? Yeah, that's possible. So there's an irony there, right? Peter calls us eager to serve. And you see there in 1 Peter, so I exhort you to be to shepherd the flock of God. And I mentioned earlier, we're all elders in our own special way. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And you've already read the rest of it. Yet he remained in his chair when Jesus came to wash his feet. Peter tells us that we should be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can pray. And yet he fell asleep during the agony of the garden. Peter tells us, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And yet he lopped off the servant Malchus' ear. See how those things that happened, and I mentioned that it could be impetuous, turn around and become something different? Now, if these things were happening simultaneously, we would call Peter a hypocrite, right? If I tell you to keep your nose clean, and then I'm out there living for the devil, I'm a hypocrite. Those that aren't familiar, I was saved as an adult. I was saved from a, a life of debauchery. Does that disqualify me from telling my kids, don't be a jerk like I was? No. The world would say, how can you tell that to your kids when you had your own wild oats, as it were? I pay the price. So Peter had these things in the past, and he grew out of them. And one of the things we're going to see is Peter's not just a sinner saved by grace, but a, a sinner who's growing by grace. So what about Malchus? You're all familiar with that scene, right? There's Peter. There's the rooster. And up above, his head is lopped off as Jesus. Now, it's awfully handy when you read in John 18.10, there's this tidbit out there that says, and the servant's name was Malchus. And you might say, ho-hum, so what? Well, the name is there for a reason, because it means ruler or counselor. That could either mean he was the, the foreman of all of the servants. It doesn't say he was one of the servants. It says he was the servant. It also means counselor. The only example I could come up would be the, the, the relationship between Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. That's the kind of service, a servant that had his ear lopped off. Now, would you guess that he's in that room? Go like this. Yeah, I would guess he's in that room. 
You go down a little bit, and this is uh, as Peter went through his denials. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? She was not only a relative of Malchus, she was part of the party that went to, out to get Jesus. Now, I could very sanctimoniously sit here and say, well, if I was Peter on that year and that day, I would never deny Jesus Christ. Well, let's think about that. There's Peter. There's, if he said, yeah, I was there, she might say, hey, Uncle Malchus, or boss, whatever the relationship was, here's the guy that chopped off your ear. Now, his ear was healed, but do you think about his human nature, he might still be holding a grudge? Yeah, I got a big smile, and yeah, I think so. If somebody had knocked my ear off, I think I'd have a, a mental picture of who it was, even though it was dark, but they had torches. So Peter was stuck between a rock and a hard spot, as it were. And so he denied the Lord, and we're going to see that Peter was not just a sinner saved by grace. He was a sinner who's growing by grace. He's a sinner who was called to forgiveness and a sinner called to service. So let's take a peek. Sinners saved by grace. When we finally get to the spot, and I noticed in the bulletin, there's parts of 1 Peter 1 on the back sheet, uh, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to see in the first salvo of words, we're going to see things like election, predestination, uh, grace, undefiled, never-ending, just, just monster doctrines just, just pounding out in the first few words of 1 Peter. But first of all, Peter was a sinner saved by grace, just like me, and I hope just like you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you might be you might go and bear fruit. So there's Peter being told that Jesus, Jesus chose him. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles. We've been chosen. You know, we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's a, a pair of words that theologians deal with. One's called monergy, and the other one is synergy. If you ever studied science, the erg is a measure of energy, but it means work. Synergy means to work with, and monergy means to work on your own. If uh, the two of us were in a rowboat and we were both going like this, that's synergy. If the two of us were in the rowboat and I was sitting there and you were going like this, that's monergy. Now, when Jesus saved me, not by works lest any man should boast, it was monergy, it was not synergy. And so, this is a tricky play on words when you say, I accepted Jesus Christ. And you've all heard those phrases. That's, that's a work. Jesus saved me, and how I responded is, it, it's now history, but he chose me. I did not choose him. Did he choose me because I'm so wonderful? No. The book of Romans says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. In the womb, before they did anything. So does that mean we shouldn't pray for somebody because 
He is either elect or not elect. No, that's not what that means. There are two things going on simultaneously that I can't explain, but they're definitely there. The sovereign will of God and the free will of man. The other thing that's there and I can't explain is that God is outside of time, eternal, outside of time, eternal. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what I'm going to be doing today. He knows what I'm about to say. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. It just comes. But he knew before the foundations of the earth. And so the notion of election is such that God chose me. I did not choose him. Isn't that great? I've said many times, I'm blessed to be born into this slice of history and geography, as we all are. I'm blessed to be saved. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his great mercy has he saved us. He didn't save me just to be a bump on the log. He saved me, and you see the underlines there, that you might go and bear fruit, and you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you. Jesus is wonderful. The woman at the well, she didn't go off to Dallas Theological Seminary. She just went back the way she was headed anyway. doesn't say whether she took her water jug or not. And her testimony was, come see a man that told me all things whichever I did is not this the Christ. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a testifier. You just have to have the boldness to speak up. And there's Mark 1.17. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people at once. King James uses the word straightway. At once they left their nets and followed him. So he was not just a sinner saved by grace, he was a sinner growing in grace. What, who do you say that I am? Jesus in Matthew 7, 16 starts off by saying, who do men say that I am? And the response was, well, some say that you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus dives a little bit deeper and he says, but who do you say that I am? And the response that Peter gave, his name was Simon at the time, thou art the Christ the son of the living God. But yet, we just finished the study of James. Nobody can tame the tongue. So there's Peter in, in scene A. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Scene B, Jesus rebukes the Lord. Jesus was telling him about how he's going to go and suffer and die. And Peter, not so, Lord. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter declared, if all fail away, I will not. And we just talked about Malchus and the pressure that Peter must have felt as he was sitting there right by that, by that house of Ananias and Sapphira, and, and uh, Ananias and Caiaphas. <coughs> as a trivia question, where was Apostle John at that time? Anybody? He was in the room. So no wonder it's recorded in John's Gospel. He was an eyewitness. So Peter, a sinner, boldly proclaiming Christ, he went from, no, I don't know the man, and cursed the girl, to a sinner boldly proclaiming Christ. 
And this didn't occur years after he grew up in the Lord. This is like less than two months after the death and the burial and the resurrection. This is Acts chapter 2 in front of thousands of people. He says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He was in the courtyards of the temple at the time, which means there's a good chance the high priests were there, Malchus was there, the soldiers were there, a flock of Pharisees were there, and he wasn't afraid to say, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. I once worked for an international company, and I had two men working for me. One was a French Jew, and the other one was a Portuguese communist. And they were having an argument as to who killed Christ. The communists said the Jews did it, and the Jews said that the Romans did it, and I walked right into the middle of this conversation. I said, you're both wrong. They looked at me. I did it. I did it. It was my sin that put him on the cross. And there's Peter two months later, bold as can be, saying, and you did it. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to hold him. He's a sinner, not perfect. Whoever's perfect in this room, raise your hand. Paul says, be perfect as I am perfect. And Peter quoted it, be holy as I am holy. But we're never going to get there. It's a goal. What did I push? Okay. Peter was not perfect. This comes from the Galatians. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? What happened there was Acts chapter 10, Peter's there, and down comes the tablecloth full of all kinds of animals, and the Lord says, go and eat. And Peter says, I've never eaten any of that stuff. I've kept kosher. And, G and, and the, the, the voice said, God has created everything clean. And then Peter, when he was with Cornelius and the others, he was, he was relaxed from a kosher perspective. And yet when he was closer with Jews, he was, he was tight again. And so uh, the Old Testament, the, the old time uh, commentators would call these people papists, but the new time we call them Catholics. Catholics believe that Peter and every pope was infallible. Well, you read about Pope Francis today and the kinds of stuff that he's talking about. He's anything but infallible. Because Martin Luther, 1,500 years later, he came up with scripture alone, grace alone. Anything that man adds, there's a verse in Romans that says, let God be true, but every man a liar. So he was a sinner, but not a perfect one. He was a sinner called to forgiveness. Now, we talk often about the prodigal son. Where was dad when the prodigal son was off feeding the hogs? Where was dad? Home? Where at home? He was on the front porch looking down the driveway. I can picture like Ben Cartwright and Ponderosa and the driveway is about two miles long, but that's neither here nor there. He was waiting for his son to come home. Jesus is waiting for us to come back to him. 
If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. He was called to forgiveness. And this is the scene uh, at the resurrection and entering the tomb. These were the ladies that were going to go and add the, the, the spices and things. They saw a young man, an angel, sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. Why and Peter? Peter denied him three times. The other apostles, they ran except John. But Peter denied him three times. And there was a message there to Peter through those ladies. Peter, I still love you. Peter, come on. You know better than that. I understand the circumstance. So he was not just called to forgiveness. He was called to service. He denied the Lord three times. And three times Peter asked him the question, Peter, do you love me? He was called to forgiveness. And he was called to service. Simon Peter, son of God, do you love me more than these? Talking about his buddies that went fishing with him. Then feed my sheep. So who was Peter? He was a person that in many ways was just like you and me. So that's the author of 1 Peter. The only difference was he got to write with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We didn't get to do that. So the key verses that are in Peter... If there's nothing else that you get in the full study of 1 Peter, are these five key verses, one from each chapter. Chapter 1, prepare your minds. You know, the man is a body, soul, and spirit. The body is the carcass that you can see. The soul is the part that, that feels. You know, I feel pretty good right now. If I had a runny nose and a headache and a fit fever, I would not feel so, so good. And the spirit is the part of me that thinks. It says, prepare your minds. Prepare your spirit. Get ready for action. Chapter 2. Grow up. And if we get far enough today, we're going to have a real interesting situation. And maybe next week some of you won't be here. So I'm going to ask the question right now. I've got some newborns in the room. I've got some parents in the room. When the baby transitions from breast milk to real food, what happens to the diaper? Anybody? I see some smiles. Rachel, what happened to your baby's diapers? They're there. You won't embarrass them. They get, the smell gets worse, right? The smell gets worse. That one hasn't transitioned yet, but you're, you're in for it. <laughs> Faith, you've been in it well, a dozen times by now. I can't keep count. When Ehud, he was the left-handed judge, right? When Ehud stuck that sword inside the Moabite king, how far did he stick it in? Over the hilt, the handle of the sword, until the dirt comes out. When we switch from spiritual milk 
to spiritual meat, it helps the dirt come out. If I stay with just Jesus save me, praise the Lord, that's one thing. But I've said so many times, sin is like an onion. You peel away the onion and what do you have? More onion. Sin is like an onion. You peel away that first layer of sin and what do I have in my life? More sin. The psalmist asked God, show me my secret sins. Not secret like I know about them, but you know. Secret in that I'm not aware of them. Show me those secret sins. James wrote, and he said, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How do you know to do good? Study in the Word. So, grow up is chapter 2. Chapter 3, love life. The book of Deuteronomy says, choose life. I'm pro-life. Love life and every part of it. From the moment of conception to the moment I see Jesus. Love each other. And love covers a multitude of sins. I'm not perfect. Sean's not perfect. We love each other. And the more we know about each other, we know idiosyncrasies and this and that. But love covers a multitude of sins. So get your minds ready. We're all in this thing. We're going to grow up together. Love the process. Love life. But then love each other also. Anybody ever stuck in the rut of legalism? I'll put both hands up. Okay? It's like a cancer. And legalism, one of the things is, you know, I keep my hair shorter than you do. And it's, it's measuring my quote-unquote righteousness against the next guy. Does that mean I, am I loving that next guy by saying I'm up here and you're down there? No. How about the Pharisee that went into the temple and he prayed, I thank God that I'm not like that guy in the back row. The publican. The publican, he recognized who he was and he prayed for forgiveness. And then chapter 5, cast all your anxiety on him. God did not promise us a rose garden. And if he did, there are thorns in that rose garden. And as we grow, there's this thing called growing pains. Now, we've raised six kids, but I can only remember this one. My Rebecca, she was growing so quickly that I'd hear screams from her bedroom. And I'd go in there, and I would, I would need her, her, her thigh muscles. Her bones were growing so fast that she was in desperate, desperate pain. We're all going through growing pains spiritually. And so that's why we hear, cast your cares, cast your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. So here's the overview. All that was all about who's Peter. Here's the overview. Chapters 1 and half of chapter 2 talks about hope. Well, we're going to hear hope throughout, but the beginning, the kickoff is all about hope. Chapters 2 into 3 is our strange life. When we were coming here a long time ago, we would afterwards, it was, it was like a religion. We'd go to Burger King and everybody got a Whopper Jr. and some fries. And my Rachel, who was a little girl, she said to me, Daddy, those people over there are not praying. Because we go to a restaurant 
we bow our heads, we say a prayer, and for them, that was the normal thing to do. Those people over there weren't praying. People would consider you, if you live for Jesus, a strange person. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. So the strange light in those chapters that finally are fiery ordeal. The main things, living in a hostile world and hope in the midst of suffering. You've heard the phrase, the world has gotten so churchy and the church has become so worldly you can't tell the two apart. Well, I hope this is not a church like that. We live in the age of the Laodiceans. I'd love to pull back on the reins and say, let's live in the range of Philadelphia and love of the brothers, love each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. But let's talk about suffering. <clears throat> the word suffer, or suffering, or suffers, appears 17 times in 1 Peter, one time in 2 Peter, and the 7x, seven times, I know you can't read the text, so you just have to trust me, Seven times it talks about the suffering of Christ. Now, Jesus went through quite the ordeal. Does that mean that I don't go through an ordeal? Well, he paid for my sins. He got what he didn't deserve so I can get what I don't deserve. But I want you to look at that verse. He was reviled, yet he reviled not in return. He suffered and did not threaten. That's straight from Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. Like a sheep, the four shears is silent, and he opened not his mouth. We read where Peter said he was a witness of Christ's sufferings. And we don't know which portion of that, if not all of it, he saw. But you, can you imagine? Now, I want you to know I'm a big baby. If I get like a little scratch or something, I'm miserable. Can you imagine watching Christ getting whipped? Now, for me, if I got a stroke like that, I would let out a scream or, oh, or something like that. Yet he opened not his mouth. Now, I'm a literalist. If you come Wednesday night, the, the phrase that, that we're going to study Wednesday night is, in the beginning God created. And I'm a literalist. There was morning and evening the first day, the morning and evening. It's 24-hour slices. I'm a liberalist. So when that Bible says he opened on his mouth, that tells me that Jesus would take it and never said a word. So the question becomes, when it's our turn on the hot seat, what do we deal with? And when we get into Peter, he's going to say, well, if, if you get pulled over for speeding, don't complain because you deserve it. On the other hand, if you maintain your car and all of a sudden you, get, you have to pull over because you have a flat tire, those things happen. And you can rejoice in the flat tire. You won't say, the Bible doesn't say Peter wrote this in 2 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, Paul wrote it. He didn't say, be thankful for all circumstances. He said, be thankful in all circumstances. So Peter's going to talk about suffering, suffering for Jesus, not suffering because I deserve it. So coming back to this, we're talking about hope, a living hope, a righteous hope, a firm and a trusting hope. And we're going to see these right now. A living hope. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and His great mercy, for He has given us new birth into a living hope. 
I have a living hope because I serve a living Savior. Paul wrote this, he said, For the dead are, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. I'm not worshiping a dead Confucius or a dead Buddha. I'm serving a living Savior. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. It's not just a living hope. It's a righteous hope, a righteous hope through submission. Now, Paul uses an example of Sarah and Abraham, but men, that doesn't mean we're exempt. He talks about submission. Whoop. I always push that wrong button. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Now Jenny has never called me master. And if, if she did, I would look at her and I'd say, well, what's wrong with you? But Sarah submitted to her husband. And this comes from James. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw an eye to God and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The word submit and the word resist are actually military terms. The word submit is the word where we end up getting surrender. Now, when Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant, what were the terms? U.S., his nickname was Unconditional Surrender. Lee had to say, we're done, no conditions. Grant was gracious enough to say, you can keep your horses and the officers can keep their pistols. Unconditional surrender. Now the word resist is another military term. And if we were doing uh, siege warfare back in the day, this is where you're building blockades, or in that case, they would be building walls. World War I, they built trenches. World War II in Normandy, they took those I-beams and put them in the ground and barbed wire. That's resist. Resist the devil. Put up that wall and unconditionally surrender to the Lord. So then we have a firm and a trusting hope. And this comes from chapter 4. So that those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Who can tell me who that is and what's the name of the movie? You're all men that you don't go to movies. That's Robin Williams. What was the movie? Jacob the Liar. And the storyline was this. Robert Williams, Jacob, was in a prison camp, and he told people that he had a radio, and that he would hear on the radio that the Allies were coming. He didn't have a radio. He made up the story. And because there was a hope that he was given the people, that the people, they, they thrived, they, they survived, and ultimately it came back, and the, the guards got a hold of, of Jacob, and they beat him, and they said, tell us where the radio is. He says, I'm not going to tell you. But I've got great news for you. I'm not faking when I say Jesus is coming. It's for real. When you read those epistles, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st Corinthians 15, there's nothing that would stop Jesus from coming back right now. Wouldn't that be handy? 
Somebody could have my notes. Somebody could have my Bible. Somebody could have my phone. Somebody could have my wallet there for a big surprise. Because he was telling the people that there's hope on its way, the people thrived. They were, being, they were suffering, yet they thrived. It's fiction, but this is not fiction. So grace and hope are the two themes that run through First, Pet, uh, First Peter. Again, keep in mind, I'm trying to tell you that he's going to remind us of what you've already known. You've already heard about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's going to share things that would help us to remember. In the first area, he's giving information so that we can continue to go on. In the second window, he's exhorting people to stand firm. One of my favorite uh, verses is in 1 Corinthians 15, after Jesus, after Paul talks about the rapture and mortality, putting on immortality. It's all done. Paul writes, Be ye steadfast, therefore, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. He's exhorting the people to stand firm, and finally he's comforting the people and actually rejoice in the, in the suffering. Say, well, John, are you some kind of a masochist? What are you talking about? Well, we'll get to that. In times of trials, trials vary. You know, I'm going through one thing, you're going through something totally different. But keep in mind, each and every one of us is valuable. Remember the man that said, I'm going to build barns, and that day he died? If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, you profit nothing. Each and every one of us is worth more than the whole world. So we're valuable. God tests, they may seem unreasonable, but trials are inevitable. This is another one of my favorite verses. Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. And the verse later in the chapter goes like this. Yea, though he slay me, still I will trust him. First Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has taken you but that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will with the temptation provide a means of escape that you might be able to endure it. We're in this thing together. The trials and the tribulations and the temptations from the beginning, where the serpent was talking to Eve, to the devil was talking to Jesus, to the demons are talking to us right now, it's all the same. Trials are temporal. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or produces, produces patience. Now, I put on there... <clears throat> Study 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1 is the chapter to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And there are seven reasons there. The first and the foremost is, when you get off the hot seat, you can have grace to help the next person that's on it. And the other six, you're welcome to go study them. We may need an attitude adjustment, right? The word attitude has a bad connotation in our culture. If I said to you of an attitude, 
That suggests that there's something wrong over him. But no, it simply means a way of thinking. And we need an attitude adjustment. So Peter's attitude adjustment was this. Rejoice when suffering for Christ and avoid resentment. 1 Peter 4. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said, that I may know the power of his resurrection. Paul suffered for Christ. He was flogged. He was shipwrecked. He was almost torn apart by beasts. He was in prison. Finally, he lost his head for Jesus. And he says that I may know the power of his resurrection. Submit it and don't fight it. For this cause you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Glorify God and not the pain. You know, I heard it said, this is in the world of customer service, a person that gets a bad experience, whether it's a meal or a car or whatever, whatever you got, they're 70% more likely to talk about their bad experience. But they've had a good experience. The meal was great. The car behaved just wonderfully. Only 30% are likely to share their good experience. So people have this, have this nature, right? If I say, oh, that meal was terrible, uh, that gives me all kinds of escapes. But if I say that meal was wonderful, that, that's giving me a commitment. I was a supervisor once, and I would look for people. I'd say, there are two kinds of attitudes. The one is, I cannot do this because. And the other attitude is, I can do this if. If I take away all the because phrases, you're left with, I can't do it. But if I take care of it as a supervisor, all the if phrases, what's left is, I can do it. So to turn negative into positive is what Peter is calling the people to do. We're going to move a little bit faster now. Remind and remember. So this is what we're going to be covering over the next several weeks. And we're going to read those next week. I wanted to get this because I'm going to lose some people next week. Here we go. Who's that guy? Come on. That's Baker Mayfield. He's the Browns quarterback, okay? And he's sitting there in an empty stadium. I want you now to forget the picture for the moment and then come to the verses. 1 Peter 1.4 There's an inheritance that is imperishable, undivided, undefiled, and unfading, kept or reserved in heaven. Now, I got these tickets for the ball game, and unlike that stadium that's empty, it's full. And I come up here, and my ticket says, this row, you're in my seat. What do you do? If you're an Eagles fan, you fight. No, what do you do? <laughs> you have to get up and find a different seat, don't you? Okay. That's because I have a reserved seat. Look at Ephesians. Past tense. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. As far as God's concerned, it's a done deal. So why do I have Baker Mayfield up there? If you're like me, you've had an overdose of football this week. You watch another football game and you see those, those seats. 
I want you to think about your reserved seat in heaven. The themes of Peter are number one, to remind you, and number two, give you something that you're able to remember. So this is the little nugget, reserved seats, and I'm way over time.